Hey folks, a pleasant hello and welcome to the 615 Preps Podcast for week number nine in Middle Tennessee High School football. Alongside Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. Thanks for joining us. Scott, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. We're, uh, we're hitting the home stretch finally. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, again, thankful that uh, we've had the games we've had, uh, considering the circumstances of the season. Yeah, and uh, last week, last week had some good games too. Um, we'll talk about those briefly. Uh, I was over at Ravenwood on Thursday night. They played CPA, and that was uh, that that was pretty much as advertised. CPA basically just beat Ravenwood up front in winning that game, thirty-one twenty-three. Couple of good nights for running backs. Tyler Reed and Langston Patterson combined for more than 230 yards in the ground, and they scored all four CPA touchdowns. Uh, Patterson had three of those and averaged 10 yards a carry. He had a very productive night. Wow. And you know, Ravenwood had some mistakes that they were not able to to come back from, and it's their fourth loss of the season. And, and honestly, Ravenwood's the best four-loss team in the state, and they're going to be a problem for somebody. Yeah, the – it's it's a misnomer that that four loss because you look at the teams that they've lost to yeah it's a murderer's row it is really um, yeah I was expecting yeah I was expecting Ravenwood to uh, to win this game but really you know CPA is a very 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 good team oh yeah and you know, the teams that they have that Ravenwood has lost to are just insanely good C- CPA to me is a top five team in this area right now. Well, they certainly proved it. I mean, they are. And we talked to Matt Daniels about his scheduling. I mean, he scheduled Pulaski Academy. Then you had a reaching game against Brentwood. Mm-hmm. Then you had IMG Academy come in on short notice. Right. Which then, you, you don't know anything about that team no. at all. You know, and then CPA, you know, in, five, in a five-week span, right? there are very few teams that are going to win more than one game, let alone you – know, Two or three, and and you know, they went one and four in that stretch because they beat Dixon County. But well, you're going to learn more about your team and yourself yeah. from those losses than you are going playing, uh, you know, a team that you, that you obviously can beat and you know walk away, you know, walk away with a big win. Uh, you always want to win, of course, but uh, you know, yeah, but that, they they like, will have more confidence going into the playoffs than they would have had they beaten up on. No, some cupcakes. Well, and and a lot of this, of course, you know, the bigger, you know, the bigger the giant, the more the exposure. Yeah, which is which is another good thing. Yeah, uh, I I spent Thursday at at Rossview, so I got to go up to Clarksville. Uh, that is a nice, nice school. Uh, I was, I don't want. It it sounds bad to say that I was uh, surprised. I wasn't surprised. I was just, I was just very. How, how, how the word well, is, impressed might be impressed okay. is the word there I'm looking go. for. Yeah, uh, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, yeah, I was very impressed with the facilities there. It's very very nice. Uh, it was an interesting game. Uh, you know, both teams came in riding four game win streaks. Uh, Rossview coming in off that big re- region win at Mount Juliet, and uh, you know the Mustangs been playing very well on both sides of the ball. The game was a, a bit closer than the score indicated, and boy, it got chippy. Hmm. It got chippy in a hurry. Uh, you know, there was an ejection on, uh, on the Lipscomb side, uh, but there was, uh, activity on both sides of the line. Um, you know, it was really in the fourth quarter for Lipscomb, uh, put it away. They jumped out, uh, they jumped out, uh, 20, nothing lead on a, on a trick play. And then, uh, Alex Broom run and then Richardson pass before the Hawks, uh, scored two seconds before halftime, but it, they never gave up. It was, it, you know, this Rossview team is for real. Uh, you know, they were impressive in their re, uh, resiliency. Uh, and they they continued to answer uh, score after score and stymie the Mustang offense. Um, you know, despite, you know, the 21 points uh, given up, I, Coach Dilfer was really complimentary on of two phases of the three phases of his team's game, he was proud of his defense and his special teams. He was not pleased with the offense at all. Um, you know, the, they consistently put the defense in short field situations. Uh, the defense didn't have a whole lot of time to get rest. I mean, two of the four, two of the second 
uh, uh, second half touchdowns, one was a pick six and the other was a punt return. Yeah. Uh, he was he was uh, not not happy, and I think that uh, I think they'll be going back to basics. And uh, I think he uh, he inferred that they were going to go back to basics and. Uh, in practice with a training cap mentality, mm. especially on the offensive side of the ball. So, uh, again, good win. Uh, Rossview is no slouch, but uh, I think that Coach Dilfer was uh, – he feels like his team's house work to do. Interesting approach considering you've got some, a couple – another big game coming up in a couple of weeks with CPA paying you a visit. So, be interesting yep. to see how they approach it that week and, and into that game. Mm-hmm. We turn our attention to Friday's games real quick. Brentwood Academy hosted NBA. It was our spotlight game of the week. And, you know, Brentwood Academy is on, on a bit of a a bit of a revenge tour, it was called in one of the articles that I saw. And that's a true statement. I mean, they've every team that knocked them off last year has fallen victim to their to their vengeance this year, and, and NBA was no exception. And 24-14 win. The ground game was effective. Taylor Montiel was... It was good as usual. Mm. Now, he was very, he was very solid all night long. I think it was a eighteen of twenty three for two hundred and forty one yards and two touchdowns. And you know he's going to Mississippi State to play baseball, and he showed it. There were a couple of throws that the ball just exploded out of his hand. You're like, whoa! Like, he's just humming it in there to, to guys, and it's it's different the way he throws it compared to a lot of quarterbacks. Well, I, that was a game that I would have really. Uh, like to have seen just simply because of the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, for uh, well, the lines for both teams are really good, but I really want to see this uh, Brentwood Academy offensive line. Uh, they seem to have. Uh, they seem to really protect uh, their quarterback well. Yeah. Uh, they seem to get uh, run yards, and uh, it, it really. I think you're you're exactly. I think Revenge Tour is a really good, <laughs> really good name for it, because this team just seems to have a focus to it. It's it's definitely different. I mean, it's business like when they come out on the field for warmups. It is business like when they go out for the first for the first quarter, and it's business like all the way through the fourth quarter. I mean, this is a team that is on a mission, and they seem determined to to go unbeaten this year. And, and right now, they're playing like they very well could. It wouldn't surprise me. And and the NBA's got to go back to the drawing board a little bit because their offense was not very effective running the football when they needed it to be. You know, they that they, they didn't give Marcel Reed did not have a ton of time. He was under pressure most of the night. And Brentwood Academy's front seven did a good job of getting after him. Yeah, one thing I did see, and you did a really good job of capturing this on the uh, on the film. That one escape that he had was yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's really it's it's good to watch him just evolve on a game by game basis because he's definitely growing up fast. And by the time he hits his senior year. There's nothing that's going to face this kid because he will have seen a lot. Yeah, it, I think that by the time he gets to senior year, he will be one of the top, if not the top quarterback in the state. Very well. Very well could be. Very well could be. And um, you had one on Friday night as well. I did. Uh, first, off, first of all, I was wrong and I was right. <laughs> Last week I said if it was a track meet, it would favor the Blue Devils, and I was right for a half. For a half, yeah. <laughs> Uh, this was the set, uh, the seventh iteration of the Rotary Cup, and it was a heck of a game for about three and a half quarters. Um, you know, the Patriots' offense uh, finally just kind of wore down that Blue Devil defense, as uh, as as is not surprising. I mean, you know, it, it's a it's a surgical knife against a blunt object, really. Mm. You know, you pick your poison here. Uh, you know, what was once the battle of thirty one W? You know, it was a back and forth game. Uh, the entire first half, you know, the the Blue Devils would strike quick, and then that running game would just wear, wear, wear. Yeah. And, um, but uh, you know, Citizens Bank Player of the Week from last week, Rainin Blackburn, started the scoring with a forty-nine yard uh, sprint, um, and then of course Jackson Mapes, he has three TDs on that, he scores, and then Blackburn did something that. Uh, he hasn't done that often. He threw and uh, he threw a bomb, mm-hmm. hit a kid in the stride, eighty-five yards. They go into the half with a twenty-seven twenty-one lead, but they did not score again. They did not score again. Uh, the third quarter went about as wrong as it could. They come out, they get the ball with the lead, throw a pick, turn the ball over in their own territory. 
Whitehouse Heritage scores. They get the ball back on the kickoff. Next drive, they fumble. Whitehouse Heritage gets the ball in the red zone, and they score. And after that, you know, once Whitehouse Heritage got the lead in the, in the third quarter or in the second half, uh, their defense pretty much shut them down. Now, Blackburn did get injured uh, sometime late in the game. It doesn't look like it was too serious, a lower leg. But uh, at that point, the the Heritage defense just – they grinded and they kept that ball. And they they relied on the running game. Uh, Mapes, Ilaramundi, quarterback Wilson, uh, he did a good job. They extended drives. They finished them. Uh, and let me tell you, given the choice, nobody wants to tackle Jackson. <laughs> oh my gosh! But they put themselves in a good playoff spot, and uh, you know, like I said, it was a it was a great game. And the great thing was, after the game, these kids, you know, the, these kids were shaking each other's hands, patting each other on the shoulder pads. You know, it was back to White House as a community. It was very impressive. Yeah, yeah it's been like that. I mean, you know, I, I've you know covered like those two teams before and and um, they they know each other they grow up together i mean it's it's not it's, there's not animosity there like there might be in some other places i mean there's a rivalry sure but you know animosity i don't know what about yeah that? i mean it, there i mean you know it's just a circumstance of what side of the road you're on yep but i will have to i do have to shout out for saying the white house uh, blue devils were very very gracious hosts and uh, they took care of us and helped us out, and for that I was very appreciative too. So Okay. Well, you mentioned our Citizens Bank Player of the Week, and it's time to name that player right now. <clears throat> well, let's, okay. go through the, let's go through the finals first. First, we had Xavier Raleigh from Wilson Central. Had 132 rushing yards and three touchdowns and 22 carries. Also had a 65-yard touchdown catch. Wilson Central won 55-42 at Laverne in a, just a wild game. And in that game, Greg Bush for Laverne had 13 catches for 175 yards and three Ooh. touchdowns. Yeah, he had a great night. That's a great night. Xavier Davidson from Mount Pleasant had 178 yards rushing and three touchdowns on 19 carries as the Tigers got their first win of the year over Loretto, 27-20. Kay Granzo from Brentwood, 9 of 13 passing, 189 yards and three touchdowns, ran twice for 44 yards and two more scores as the Bruins easily got by Dixon County, 47-13. to Malachi Alaramendi, as you mentioned, 171 rushing yards and two touchdowns on just 10 carries. As White House Heritage won that one, 48-27. Tashun Miles from Kenwood, 173 yards rushing, three touchdowns on 21 carries, also caught a touchdown pass. Kenwood lost 55-38 at Clarksville on Thursday. Answorth's Levi Moore, 295 passing yards and three touchdowns as Answorth got its first one of the year over Westview, 45-25. And then CPA's Langston Patterson, 125 yards and three touchdowns on just 12 carries as the Lions won 31-23 at Ravenwood. Voting's over by the fans. Alar Mendy ran away with it, 64% of the vote this week. Xavier Davidson had 19%. Greg Bush had 11%. But as always, our votes are also part of the part of the equation, part of the equation as well. So, Scott, I, I sent it to you. Ooh, and and the thing is, is that it just gets harder as the weeks go on. It really does. Um, I and and being at that White House Heritage game, Alar uh, Mendy, uh, he was a factor, especially late. Uh, but what uh, we didn't have on there and what we had to take into account is he played a tremendous amount of defense, mm-hmm. too. That being said, how many how many touchdowns did Ali have? He had four total. 165-yarder. Yeah. That being said. Nearly 200 yards total offense. Yeah, that being said, Again, I could vote for anyone, but I'm going to go Xavier Ali Wilson Central. Okay, I think that I I think that he just had had a tremendous tremendous night. All right, so Xavier Ali gets a vote. Now it falls to my shoulders. Yes, and I got to say that the last three weeks we have not gone with a fan vote, and Whoa. part of that part of that is because there might have been a. a 
a player, a candidate out there that we thought had better stats. Yeah. And I look at Alara Mendy's numbers, you know, him and Jackson Mapes, big time share in that backfield. But his effectiveness in that game sticks out to me. And in the second half, you give the ball to a guy like that and let him help you put the game away. Mm-hmm. We have eight great candidates. And Langston Patterson, I thought, was was one that I really heavily considered as well. Uh, yes. But I'm going to give this one back to the fans and give it to Malachi Laramendi for our Citizens Bank Player of the Week. He gets my vote, and he gets two out of three, which is all right with me. It, it, that's fine with me. I, I, I have no qualms with that. So congratulations to Malachi Alaramendi from White House Heritage. He is our Citizens Bank Player of the Week for week number eight, and he joins a pretty exclusive list, and we will announce, and we will have that on our website Thursday. Yeah. And you can see who else he joins as well. Time for us to take a break, and when we do, we're going to come back and talk to Oakland head coach Kevin Creasy about this week's Battle of the Borough. We'll do that next on the 615 Preps Podcast, so stay with us. Hey, folks, if you want to support high school football coverage all across Middle Tennessee, let 615 Preps help. We have sponsorship opportunities for the 2020 season to suit all needs and budgets. For more information, shoot us an email at 615preps at gmail.com. That's 615preps at gmail.com. 615preps, Friday night's finest play here. Back here on the 615 Preps podcast, got Oakland head coach Kevin Creasy with me. Coach, thanks for coming on this week. I know it's a big week for you guys. Um, how's your week going so far? Oh, I appreciate you having us on, man. I know it's a, a big game. I, I get to uh, get on here and, and talk about the Battle of the Borough, and uh, we're glad to be off on a fall break, had a little time to recover and relax and, and recharge our batteries hopefully and uh, get ready for a big ball game Friday. Do you feel like fall break came at the right time for you guys? I mean, you have a, a big stretch run coming with some important games and, and just, I guess, getting healthy and getting rest is probably the biggest thing for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, everybody in our county, for the most part, was off. And, uh, you know, it does fall at a good time. And, and uh, you know, got a, got a bunch of uh, big region games coming up. So, uh, you know, I know us, Riverdale, and Warren County are all fighting for first place. You know, Warren County's undefeated. Next week, Riverdale plays Warren County. And then the week following that, we play Warren County. So, uh, you know, three teams battling out for first uh, first position in the in the region. And, uh, you know, should be uh, interesting next three weeks. Well, let's talk about the Battle of the Borough for a minute. I mean, it's a great defensive matchup on paper because both teams have allowed – seven points a game on the field this year in region play. Something's got to give here. So what's been their biggest reason, first on your defensive side, what's been their biggest reason behind their success this year? Uh, you know, our guys on defense are really fast. You know, uh, they do a good job of creating turnovers. Uh, we do a good job of uh, uh, running to the ball and, and uh, got a lot of fast people. And then likewise, Riverdale is the same thing. They – They've got some really athletic kids that, uh, you know, cause a lot of havoc and uh, cause turnovers. And, and uh, you know, both defenses have, have done a really good job of holding opponents uh, to, you know, not very many points all year long. And, uh, you know, it's probably going to come down to, you know, whoever turns the ball over the most, whoever makes the most mistakes. But uh, both defenses uh, make it tough on offenses. With both teams having essentially two weeks to prepare for, what kind of matchup are you expecting out of this one? Well, you know, it's always a tough matchup, you know, uh, being a rival game and uh, especially, you know, going over their place. Uh, they play really well at, at home and, uh, you know, they do a good job of defending their home turf. And uh, It's just one of those deals where uh, the biggest thing was, you know, uh, is just, trying to get some people healthy. You know, we got some guys bumped and bruised and uh, I know they've gone through some, uh, you know, injuries here lately. And, and so uh, we're expecting all, all parties involved to uh, at least be a whole lot healthier than they were before fall break. Now, 
Obviously, adding Jordan James to an already talented backfield was a big get for you guys. But you know, when you have as many talented running backs as you have, does it make it easier for you to game plan or is it a little bit harder to try to get everybody touches knowing that any one of them can be a game breaker at any time? Yeah, you know, uh, we don't really measure out, you know, who needs to touch the ball this many times or anything. We just try to uh, put people in a position to succeed and, and hopefully uh, – that's to win the ball game. And uh, we've been real fortunate uh, with uh, playmakers on offense. And, uh, you know, we have different positions for all of them to play. and They're expected to learn more than one position. And I think that's been big for us, uh, just making it hard on defense is trying to pinpoint who's doing what, where, and when, and, and how they're going to do it. So, uh, yeah, it's a good problem to have. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And, of course, you're a big wing tee guy. You Coastal Trialsville County brought it from there too, brought the wing tee to Oakland and, and have been very successful with it. For you, for you personally, do, do you try to get some passing in there even though you're a heavy run team? Or is it really just, you know, whatever the defense gives you? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we try to throw it around a little bit. I think our quarterback is uh, having a pretty good year. Um, you know, last year we had a quarterback that uh, his first interception was uh, against Riverdale right before, you know, half expired, so he threw up a Hail Mary. But basically he went seven and a half games without throwing an interception. Ian Schlocker hadn't thrown an interception this year. Victor Stevenson hadn't thrown an interception this year. So, you know, it's one of those deals where our pass game opens up because people load the box and make it, pretty easy on our quarterback times. I'm guessing that you're probably hoping history doesn't repeat itself this year in the Battle of the Borough, right? <laughs> yeah, not with the uh, interceptions, maybe with the score. <laughs> I mean, this year's been a challenge for everybody, I know, with with COVID and having to get schedules on the fly. You had a couple of teams that couldn't play early in the season. Then Stewart's Creek stepped up, and, and you guys got a game in against them. How much of a challenge has it been scheduling when teams really are shying away from, from trying to play Oakland, maybe thinking it's a mismatch? Well, I mean, we have trouble scheduling when we have, uh, you know, a year to work on. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, a lot of times it, it takes us an uh, entire year to, to get a schedule together. Uh, so, you know, a lot of credit's got to be given to uh, Stewart's Creek and Brentwood, you know, stepping up. They wanted to do right by the kids and, mm-hmm. and let them play. You know, we're lucky to have a season this year and, I think Coach Caudill uh, over at Stewart's Creek and Coach Crawford over at Brentwood are kind of like me. They just want us to be able to play, you know. And, uh, you know, they, they stepped up and we were able to play. And, you know, unfortunately, we've lost three home games this year. And uh, we had to go on the road both, uh, both times. But, you know, it was well worth it because we got to let our kids you know, enjoy another Friday night, and yeah. those things are not always guaranteed. That's true. As far as, like, next year, like the next two years, obviously we're going into reclassification. Is there any talk about how you guys may be able to make up for losing those home games, or is there going to be any way to do that? Nah, I mean, it's the back end of, uh, you know, a two-year yeah. cycle of scheduling. So uh, it's just going to be, you know, unfortunate for us because we, we were going to have seven home games this year, and, uh, you know, that's big for – making some money, you know, especially in a year where your dates are limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, kind of hurt us financially, but at the same time, you know, we're just kind of going with the flow right now because it's uh, one of those deals where uh, we just want to be able to play every Friday night. want to rewind back for just a second to the Brentwood game. Of course, they stepped up and gave you guys, a, I mean, what was a, a great game on paper, but 37 to nothing, were you surprised at that result? I mean, or how, or how much surprised were you at that result? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was real surprised. I mean, uh, Brentwood's a whole lot better team than that, but they're kind of in the same boat we were, you know, just taking that game with two days' notice. Uh, you know, we always go east in the playoffs. They go west in the playoffs, so we're totally un- unfamiliar with each other. So it was, uh, you know, kind of one of those deals. You go into a game, and it's like, kind of like a, a scrimmage a little bit because, you know, you're just going to show up – uh, do what you do and hope that's good enough. I, I know that we were uh, pretty fortunate. We had some things go our way early. And, uh, you know, Brentwood's a heck of a team. And, 
and they'll be just fine. Yeah, they'll be fine, and, and I expect them to make a huge playoff run. We've had a number of coaches that have had to game plan on very short notice, some as little as even 10 hours. Now, what did you guys do for Brentwood as far as like getting a game plan together in 48 hours? Yeah, it was pretty tough. Uh, you know, like I said, it's not like uh, we have a lot of common op- opponents. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not like we study them in the off season or anything. So, yeah, it was just a deal where I'm sure, you know, they did the same thing. We throw on the tape and we try to identify their best players and uh, you know, try to see who we can, uh, you know, disrupt and take away, you know, try to make the team a little left-handed. Uh, but at the same time, we didn't have, we didn't have a lot, uh, a game plan and we just had to pull out of our toolbox of what we do offensively, defensively and on special teams. So uh, we were able to do that. And, and like I said, it worked out for us this time. The whole challenge of just the 2020 season in general, getting started, you know, having to navigate schedule changes. What's it done for you as a coach as far as how you approach a week-to-week basis, knowing that nothing's guaranteed? Yeah, well, I think it makes you appreciate things a little bit more. You know, uh, a lot of times, you know, you're just in the grind, and, of course, you see a lot of the same opponents over and over. And Some of the opponents you see twice in one year. You know, we're used to seeing Blackman twice in one year. And, uh, you know, our game with them got canceled. And so uh, it makes you appreciate being able to play uh, and, uh, you know, kind of less of the grind and more of, uh, you know, appreciating what you're in it for. And and that's letting kids be able to go out and ball out. The way the schedule has worked out for you guys, of course, you have Riverdale and you got Warren County, like you mentioned, in week 11. Do you think it it sets up well for you guys to prepare for the postseason the way it's fallen as opposed to had you been able to play your, your regular schedule? Yeah, you know, uh, we don't really like going into the playoffs, you know, playing, you know, back-to-back-to-back bad opponents. Uh, definitely want to be challenged and, and, and go up against good coaches and, and let them uh, expose our weaknesses, and uh, and that way we can get it fixed, hopefully, before the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I think that's what we're looking at the next three weeks. All right. Well, uh, I know this week's big, and, and Riverdale's uh... – the biggest game, obviously, in the area, the Battle of the Borough and then TV and everything. Uh, what do you guys have to do just to kind of come out of there the way you want to come out of there? Yeah, I think it's uh, big to, uh, you know, limit mistakes, especially early, and uh, try to play a clean game for sure. Uh, definitely tough going on the road and, and pulling out region wins. Uh, but I think good things need to happen early. And, uh, you know, if we can make that happen, hopefully we can get the ball rolling. It, it, it uh, you know, play play on both sides of the ball pretty well. And it being a TV game as well, I mean, you have to factor that in a little bit, don't you? I mean, with with all the delays and you have to kind of navigate the extra time on the sidelines. How do you do do that as a coach? Well, that's the thing about it. Luckily, we've been in that situation a few times, uh, you know, able to figure out the TV timeouts and the extra time that you're allotted to this, that, and the other. So it's it's one of those deals where – uh, our guys, you know, they're not going to be nervous uh, playing on TV. They're kind of, you know, excited excited about it. And, you know, uh, we have a level of expectations we want them to play up to. So uh, we expect them to do that. You know, I know that uh, Riverdale is going to bring their best game for us. And uh, so it should be a heck of a matchup. Well, it's my first time going to the Battle of the Borough, so I'm looking forward to it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to watching you guys in Riverdale this week. So, Coach, good luck to you, and really appreciate you coming on with us this week. I'm looking forward to a good one. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thanks. That's, that's Oakland head coach Kevin Creasy. We're back in a minute. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. Stay with us. Back here on the 615 Preps Podcast, it's time to do our best and try to figure out who's going to win these games on Friday night. Scott, it's who you got. I'm ready. All right. Let's go ahead and so give me the bad news. Well, the, the bad news is you didn't have the best record of the week. The good news was you won eight games, so that's good news. But eight, eight and two is, is is a good week. Yeah, but what did you do? Well, first off, what did the Twitter voters do? Because I think they'd like to hear this. They went nine and one. Well, okay, I I I have no problem getting waxed by the Twitter voters. Okay, we all know they're smarter than us. I also went nine and one to tie them for the best record. That of the week, sucks. So. <laughs> that that was not news that I can use. <laughs> And Drake it went seven and three, but unfortunately he he's um, he's last. 
after even a good week like that. Well, I mean, seven and three is a respectable week. There's nothing just, wrong with that, especially with the games we had. No, no, nothing, nothing wrong with that. I, again, I'm surprised I'm doing as well as I have been doing. Okay, so, and we'll have our our full season records up on Thursday when we put up put our picks out on the website six one five preps dot com. Sure. Yeah. Just hold on to it because we know who's leading those. Well, they can go see that you're leading those. <laughs> But they're also going to see the gap that got cut this week, too. Close the gap. You're, yeah. <laughs> All right. On to the games. First off, Franklin at Brentwood. And this is a game for Brentwood that they have got to be very careful about because they're coming off a big win at Dixon County, but they've got independence in a couple of weeks, and they cannot afford to look anything past Franklin at this point. No, no. And I, I honestly don't think they will. Um I, I think that you know they had a they had a nice little tune up, um, you know Granzel added to his had his to his uh, to his totals, um, but you know when you look at Franklin, Franklin has done a, a pretty good job. They've had a week off to prepare uh, as much as you can yep. for the Bruins, uh, but. Uh, their quarterback cannot afford to make any mistakes with the football against this Bruin defense. Just cannot. And while they average 153 yards a game on the ground, they've only averaged 94 yards in games in their four losses. Um, so they're going to have to do better. They're going to have to run the ball, I think, and they're going to have to keep Granza off the field. Uh, they can't afford to get behind. They certainly can't be allowed to get behind by more than one score. You know, the Bruins, I think, already had their wake-up wake call and won more for good measure with Oakland. True. Um, they've they've beaten the teams they should beat, and I don't see any reason why that is going to change. The Bruins should win this game. I think the Bruins will win this game. I think they'll win this game too, but I'm I'm very curious as to how close Franklin can keep it because they, right now they're in line for the number four seed in this region. And, you know, it's not going to matter in this game, I don't think, because even if they lose, they're still in contention for a playoff spot. But they're going to want to send a message. And and, and Connor Beaven for Franklin has got to, has, like you said, he's got to take care of the ball because that's been their biggest bugaboo in some of their losses this year is the turnovers. Yeah, I, they are a very good team if they do the things they need to do to win. Um, they can stay with Brentwood. You know, in a good day, they may even beat them. But I, I just think that... So many things have to align for that to happen. Yep. So both of us will take Brentwood in that first game. Good pasture at CPA is next. And CPA, we talked about them earlier about beating Ravenwood. They've been able to be very effective on the ground. Good pasture is kind of in the in a, in a situation Franklin's in. They want to send a message as well. But right now, the Cougars are looking like that third-place team in that region. Yeah. You know, Ingle Martin has done just about everything possible short of scheduling Vanderbilt to get his team ready for the postseason. And and I'm not sure Vanderbilt would take that game right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, good pasture. You know, they continue to impress. You know, the only loss they had was that one region game to Lipscomb, right? Um, you know, a win here could cure that ill in a hurry. So, uh, I think that, uh, you know, Good pasture is good. Better they've been in quite a while, and likely farther ahead of where they th- even thought they might be. But they've not faced a team like CPA. Heck, there may not be a team like CPA out there. There may not be. Um, you know, I think that good pasture can make some noise in the postseason, but I think CPA is just right now, they're on an entirely different wavelength yeah. than anybody else around. Uh, that being said, I, I, I do like CPA in this game. That's... I, and and I know that I've said that before, uh, and I've pulled against, uh, not pulled against them, but uh, voted against them, but uh, not in this game. Yeah, here's the thing though: Good Pasture, if they were to win this game, could cause absolute chaos in this region race. Why? Because it sets up a situation where if CPA beats Lipscomb Academy, you're looking at a three-way tie for first place, Ooh. and then the next tiebreaker, if you all beat each other, would be. Overall wins, wow! And good pasture, more so than Lipscomb Academy or CPA, would be in position to win the region. Well, you know they've got a guy that can help them get there. Brendan Jones is an absolute weapon. Yes, 
Um, you know, and if they if they're going to win this game, they're going to have to do the little things like kickoff returns, punt returns. This is a this is a kid that can get this done. And the thing with CPA too, I actually saw in a couple of kickoffs, you mentioned that they did not do. They had a couple of slip ups on special teams that you know could have cost them some points, but you know they were able to get themselves out of trouble. You know that could turn a game if if they can if good pasture can get a mistake like that out of them, but. I just don't know if if good pasture can right now. Cooper Pennington's been very good at quarterback, but so is Kate Law. Man, he's been right. he's been awesome, and it's going to be a duel. And he's going to have to absolutely Pennington's going to have to absolutely have a great night. And they've got to keep CPA off the field as much as possible. I just don't know if their defense is up to it at this moment. And I'm taking CPA for that very reason. DCA hosts the Kings Academy, and this is another game that has major implications. DCA is in first place, and the Kings Academy is trying to take it away from them. Yeah, you know, DC, DCA is, you know, they keep doing well offensively, averaging nearly 33 points a game. They're only giving up about nine. You know, and, and they got a really good back. John Lewis, a really good back. He has speed to get the edge. He has a quick burst. If he gets to the second level, he's trouble, and – and I, I really like the quarterback. I really like this team, and I think that they have a mindset. I think that uh, we've talked about before. Everything that they have uh, went through in the postseason has given them a resiliency and and a resolve. That you know, the Kings Academy. You know, they had a horrible game there in their loss to friendship. Uh, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no, you know, getting around it. They gave up two block punts, a muff punt, a pick six, just about everything that could have gone wrong, except the wheels coming off the bus on the way of the game. Right. You know, uh, but they've got a huge line. It's headed by Jamarian Gooch. This kid goes six seven three fifty, and he's not happy unless the person he's blocking is on his back. You watch his film of this guy. He finishes blocks, and he does it with a smile on his face, I can tell. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you know, they've got a quarterback, Zach Acuff, or uh, they average over 42 points per game. They only give up 16. Acuff throws very, very well on the run. Uh, they got a really fast young receiver in Jashim Williams that's dangerous whenever he has the ball. You know, DCA has had success this year, but I think this is going to be their toughest challenge, and not seeing the Kings Academy, but just what I've been able to put together on film and, and put together, I I just think that they may be the better team here. This is DCA's de facto region championship game. Let me tell you why. Their remaining schedule is Franklin Grace mm-hmm. and Mount Julie Christian. Both extremely winnable games. Winnable and, games. Winnable games and games they shouldn't win handily. This game right here is it for them. I mean, they're either going to finish first or second in the region. So they can throw everything they've got at the Kings Academy. And I'm I'm a sucker for a good story, and DCA has one. It's hard for me to think that it's going to continue as an unbeaten season just because of how good the Kings Academy has been. But that Friendship Christian game gave DCA a blueprint as to how to win against the Kings Academy. And I'm going to go out on a limb and, and, and pick DCA to, to get what might be a little bit of an upset. Yeah, I don't think it's that. I don't think you're out on too thin, thin of a branch there. Um, again, I, I could I could see it. I just think, uh, I mean, I very well could see it. But uh, I think this is going to be a, a really good game. We'll keep going with more Division Two games. Father Ryan has been very good in the last couple of weeks. They're number five in the AP poll this week. And they've got McCauley coming in. The Fighting Irish are starting to show that they might very well be back. Yeah. Yeah, they have. Uh, you know, they're on a three-game streak. And they've got a really, really good quarterback in D.C. Tapscott. You know, so he's put up nearly 1,000 yards so far this season. He's got a couple of good receivers in Erdman and, and Josh Pfeiffer. Uh, they can do a lot of damage uh, uh, to, to uh, you know, to receive on receiving, but especially on on special teams, um, you know McCauley, uh, McCauley, uh you know they dropped three hundred sixty nine total offensive line uh, yards on Baylor. I mean they're they're offensively, they're I mean they they're McCauley, they're they're good. Yeah, I mean they they always are. Um, you know their quarterback William Riddle, seventy percent passer in the five games with uh, eight hundred forty seven yards, twelve TVs. 
and zero picks. He doesn't mistake uh, make mistakes with the ball. Uh, nine of the 12 TDs have been to uh, his receiver, Eric Rivers, or uh, Kinsey Paul. But they also have a running back back there, B.J. Harris, who is a Missouri commit. Averages seven yards a carry, has 11 touchdowns. So this is a loaded, loaded team. Uh, Father Ryan has, you know, they overcame their slow start and they've kept pace, but Macaulay has an offense that's just very, very talented. I think the Blue Tornado may have a bit of advantage in the running game, which limits Tab Scott's chances. I think that it really comes down to intangibles. And I think here I'm just going to go with the, with the team like Macaulay, whose experience may be the difference. It's been eight games since Father Ryan has beaten Macaulay. And a lot of those games have not been close. In fact, the last close loss they had was in 2013 in the playoffs against McCauley. But Father Ryan seems like, with Tap Scott playing as well as he has, it seems like this team is is in a different place than they have in the last couple of years. I just don't know right now if they have more than McCauley does right now. And I mean, Father Ryan's in good shit in a good spot to make the playoffs. But they may have to bounce back from a loss here. I'm going to go with McCauley just because a little more experience. I think a little bit more firepower offensively. What should be a pretty good game, but I think I'm going to take McCauley here. Kane Ridge at Hillsboro. Speaking of speaking of firepower, we've got some here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Boy, these, these two teams didn't slack up last week, did they? No, they didn't. Cane Ridge uh, took it to McCavick, uh, McGavick, uh, fifty-six to nothing, and Hillsboro uh, put a seventy-five to six whooping on uh, Glencliff last week. Um, yeah, both of these teams are offensive powerhouses. I think to your point, uh, you know, Cane Ridge needs to continue to put work in uh, with the slow start with Metro. Uh, in, advance of the, in advance of their game against Laverne, and they are solidly in fourth right now. But they need to get work in against quality teams, and Hillsboro is just that. Hillsboro is a quality team. And this game will tell both te- more about both teams than last week's games did. Yep. Um, you know, Hillsboro rebounded from the beach loss, uh, uh, you know, with a pretty good pounding of Glencliff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jalen Macon threw six passes and he threw four TDs. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that. If that tells you, this is a much bigger test for the Burrows. Uh, defensively, they did a great job against Be- uh, Beach's running game, and they you know held Pearl scoreless for four quarters in the season opener. Um, you know, they kept pressure on uh, Martino Owens and they uh, shut down pretty much Kendrick Breedlove. Mm-hmm. Um, Kane Ridge, that's uh, you know. Xavier Clemens has you know, got a 60% completion average, seven TDs. He slings it. He's got 617 yards. He's got wide receivers, and he does not just one. He's got a whole stable of wide receivers yeah. that are really, really good. Tyroy, good. Uh, it's quickly becoming a trusted receiver. Quentin Barnes is right there with him. Um, you know, they got a back that can catch out of the backfield, and Reggie Goodlow, Jr., there's just too many weapons, I think, for the Ravens in this game, from my opinion. Uh, if Kane Ridge had one good receiver or was a little bit more dimension, one-dimensional, I might say this might be Hillsborough's day. But I think three good receivers plus a back that – or two good receivers plus a back that is good out of the backfield, you can only put so many fires out at one time. Yeah. You know, and I, while I think Hillsborough is a very, very good team, I think that Kane Ridge is on the verge of being a great team. I'll go Ravens here. Okay. Seeing Kane Ridge a couple of weeks ago at Smyrna, and I could see them improve in the second half. They had a lot of trouble with penalties and a lot of procedural things that you just have to get those out in practice, and they haven't had time to do that at that point. They've had a couple of weeks to work on some things, get some of those kinks out, and they're starting to roll. And this is the week, I think, where we see them either hit their stride or hit the wall. And Cane Ridge offensively, like you said, they've got the weapons to hit their stride and, and start really running over some people. But Hillsborough will keep this close, and, and I could see it in a game maybe in the, in the high 20s, low 30s maybe. But, yeah, Cane Ridge, I mean, they're going to be a problem for somebody in the first round of the playoffs. They're going to wind up finishing fourth in the region just because – 
of the games they couldn't play due to COVID, somebody in Region 6 of Classic say is not going to like their draw. <laughs> yeah, how would you like to win that particular lottery? That, the region champion is not going to like their draw because they're going to get Cane Ridge and they're going to get all they want. Right. And Hillsboro's going to get all they want from Cane Ridge this week. And I'll take the Ravens as well just on the fact that I think that they just have a little more firepower at this point in the season. we got to take a break, and we'll come back with Finish Up Who You Got. This is the 615 Preps Podcast, so stay with us. Welcome back. We'll finish up Who You Got, starting with Columbia Page, and another region rivalry here that has been one-sided in the three years that they've played it. Page has won all three meetings between the Patriots and the Lions, but both teams need this one for positioning. Scott, what do you think about it? Well, the Patriots have struggled this year on and off the field. It's taken them longer for them to get their offense coordinated with the shortened preseason. And then, of course, you know, you get COVID disruption, and that disrupts any continuity that you have. And, you know, they continue to struggle with pass rushes, but, you know, it's reflecting the scoring. But losing 20 seniors is going to do that to your team. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't have a, a, spring, a spring camp and, and go through your seven-on-sevens, it's just been – it's not been a great year for, for Page this year. Um, now, they've had two weeks to get healthy and prepare, but, you know, you get to wondering if that's going to lead to more issues and formation problems and things like that. Uh, it's just unfortunate uh, what uh, what those kids have, have had to fight through, but but they are fighters. Um, you know, Columbia is usually a strong defensive team. They gave up 212 rushing yards to Franklin County. Um only managed 150 yards. They got a good quarterback in Brady McCandless. Um, I think they would prefer to keep the attack on the ground, though, uh, it all, if at all possible. I think Columbia is a team with a lot of question marks, and we know what we have in Page is youth, and they have talent. But I'm going to go with the Lions, I think, in this game. But a Patriot victory would not be surprising in the least. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if this thing is, is – fairly low scoring just because of Columbia's usual defensive abilities. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think Page needs it more. Oh, no doubt. I think they do just for confidence reasons and you know, how tough of a season has been for them on the field. I just don't know if, if they can get it this week. I, I'm with you. I'll go with Columbia on this one. I just – I just I wonder about that, you know, being able to protect the quarterback here. Oh. Um, with that, like you said, with that Lion defense. Yeah. Ravenwood traveling to Smyrna in the Raptors' first road game in more than a month. They've been at home the last four weeks. Yeah, but they've been playing some heavy duty. <laughs> I think they're okay with being on the road this week with not having to see, you know, some of the state's heavyweights. But Smyrna's no slouch themselves. I mean, they've they've gotten themselves in a good position for their postseason hopes too. Yeah, nobody's played a tougher schedule than the Raptors. Really, I mean, it's it's really been rough. Um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to talk too much about their stats uh, since they play such t- uh, such you know tough competition. I- I'm sure if they you know, I'm I'm sure that there are things that they like to have back. But again, you know, you learn more in those losses about yourself and your team than you than you do in an easy game. This is not an easy game. Uh, the Bulldogs come in riding a three-game win streak. You know they narrowly survived Cane Ridge, but they survived a very, very good offensive team. Yep. Uh, Landon Miller, sixty-one percent passer. Uh, he protects the ball well. He only has six TDs, but he only has one pick. Uh, but they've lit up. Uh, they've lit up the scoreboard of late. Arian Carter is their uh, bell cow back. 426 yards, seven TDs. Uh, Jameer Eaton, though, is, I think, the speedster. Yep. He's the, uh, he's, and he's got 20 catches on the year and 8.9% average. Their defense, though, that's what worries me here because they have been giving up points to offensive-minded teams. Um, it's going to be all Jeremiah Bailey and company can do to hold Ravenwood. I think this game would be tough on Smyrna if the Raptors had come in here on a two-game win streak. I think it's going to be really tough with them coming off you know, coming in just hungry for a victory. Um, I expect uh, Jake Brenning still to have the all the attention of the Bulldog linebackers this week. Um, I think it's going to open up Trevor Andrews and Trey Thomas to run. I think the Raptors are going to take this game. Yes, yeah, Smyrna has a big assignment in their hands, and uh, 
I like the way Jameer Eaton runs. I haven't seen him against Cambridge, and he's he's one of those he's one of those shifty, quick runners. You just don't see him until it's too late. And you know, Ravenwood's going to have their hands full defending Landon Miller and Jameer Eaton and, and the Bulldog rushing attack, and they're going to go a lot of a lot of a lot of heavy rushing attack in this game as well. But man, Ravenwood needs it, and and you know if they can just kind of cut out some of the little mistakes that they made against CPA, they win that game, and. I think now that they've got this rough stretch of games behind them, they can come back and focus on, you know, just doing what they need to do to get better for the playoffs. They're they're ready for a postseason run, and I think it's got to start this week. They've got to go into Smyrna and assert themselves physically, and been both on both sides of the ball. And I expect them to do that. And I think Ravenwood does win this game over Smyrna. But look, I'll, I'll be interested to see if Smyrna can keep this thing close. I. I feel like the Bulldogs are a little bit underappreciated, and I think they can probably at least make some noise for a while in this one. Oh, 100% agree. Lebanon goes to Stewart's Creek, and we talk about teams in Smyrna's region. Stewart's Creek also is in that mix in that region, too. With a non-region game against Lebanon, they can kind of uh, fine-tune a little bit for their big region showdown later on. Yeah, both of them just uh, kind of getting ready for that last stretch that as they go through. Uh, Stewart's Creek, uh, I like their quarterback, Alex Crank. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been humming it the last last couple of weeks. Uh, competition is not what he's faced earlier, but uh, you would expect. You know, you play who you play, right? Yeah. So, you know, this game is really going to be the baseline they need to see uh, with their, their matchup with Smyrna still lurking on the horizon. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the defense handles a back like DeQuante Shannon. You know, they've played three games with premier backs in Mount Juliet, Oakland, and Laverne and have lost all three. Um, in fact, they haven't notched a win against a team with a winning record this year. Again, you play who you play, right. and that's the way the schedule rolls. But it's really going to be interesting to see a good team with a good back and how Stewart's Creek's defense, on the other hand, you know, Levin has played a, a tough regular schedule like they usually do, and it's about to get tougher with Wilson Central and Rossview still still out there. Um, Shannon really is the straw that stirs the drink for them, but they've got some other weapons. I like their quarterback, Jalen Abston. He continues to develop. Um, but there's been a flaw in their game of late, and it's their special teams. They've suffered some missed PATs, some field goal issues, uh, had some punt miscues. These are all things I'm sure Coach Gentry has been really focusing on. I think Stewart's Creek's going to show exactly who they are in this game. I think they're a better defensive team than they've showed against Oakland and Laverne. However, I do think Shannon's a, just that special kind of back that kind of gives defensive coordinators nightmares. I think this game's going to be close, but in a close game, I'm going to go to the team with, with the runner. I'm going to go with the Blue Devils here. Yeah, and – Really, when you talk about the type of backs that Stewart's Creek has faced, I mean, Oakland's trio in the backfield, and you've got Ray Bander at Laverne, and Shannon's just another one on top of that. Uh, this defense at some point is going to have to find a way to stop those premier runners and, and get off the field. That's my biggest question of this ballgame. Can they do enough to give their offense opportunities? They have no trouble scoring. Right. And they should have no, and they may not have trouble scoring this game. Levin's defense has given up quite a bit. Yeah, you could be up against another game like they had last week. Very, uh, like, very possible. Yeah, it's very, very possible. And you know, Stewart's Creek, this is a good chance for them to show that they're a better team against teams with winning record than what they've shown. And I like DeQuante Shannon and his ability to just take over a game. Mm. But I think Stewart's Creek should have beat Laverne, and I kind of put this game in that category and is one I think they need to win. I'm going to go with the Red Hawks at home just because I think this team has gotten better in the last couple of weeks than they have been earlier in the year. Down to our last two games of the week, and the first one, our fans' choice game of the week, is almost a de facto Region championship game in, in yeah. Region Four of Class Three A. It's not officially won, but DeKalb County goes to Macon County in a game that we thought might be for first place at this point in the year, and it absolutely is. Uh, Macon County 
can't win the region if they win this game, but they can be awful close to it, and they haven't done that in a long time. DeKalb County was the favorite come in this region coming into the season, but they've kind of underperformed a bit. So, you know, you've got a team with some confidence in the Tigers at home against the team, well, against Macon County, I guess we should say, because they're both Tigers. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah good uh, point. Uh, but then you have DeKalb County, who, who's kind of hungry and, and hopefully trying to figure out who they are and, and show that they're a little better than their record. Yeah, uh, the Macon County Tigers, <laughs> uh, you know, they find themselves in control of their own destiny here. I mean, it's been a while, so I think that they've been in that position this late into the season. Um, you know, this is a team that's averaging, you know, almost 31 points a game. It's, you know, they have a quarterback, and this for the first time in a while, I think they have a – a quarterback that's a pure passer. I mean, he he's really really good. He's tall. Uh, he sees he he throws a really good ball. Fifty five percent completion percentage, uh, six hundred fifty nine yards, eight TDs. That's Brady Brooks. Uh, he he likes Cameron Houston uh, as his primary receiver. He's had six of his eight touchdowns, but truthfully, that's uh, Landon Whittemore at the tight end spot. He draws the most attention. He's long. He's lanky. He's got he's big. Great hands. Being courted by a number of schools, he, he's a really, really good receiver and a, a really good defender as yeah. well. Um, you know, they got Ethan Jenkins as a primary back, but his value really is on the defensive back. Well, this this team has a good defense, kind of one of those bend don't break defenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they he he has uh, he leads the team in the interceptions. He's got four, so they're they're stout. They're only I think giving up about twelve points a game. DeKalb County, like you said, it's kind of underperformed a little bit. They're looking uh, – let's see, their, their last four games, the defense has tightened up a bit. Um, they feature one of the upper Cumberland's best quarterbacks uh, quarterbacks, in Alex Aldino. Uh, last week he had three rushing touchdowns and a passing score. You know, their offense, again, over, averages over 30 points. They give up a little bit more in 17 uh, they're more of a ball hawking squad. Uh, they they got five picks against Livingston Academy. This should be a very good game. Uh, the defense of Macon County Tigers against the offense of DeKalb County Tigers. I think uh, the onus is going to be on Macon County to keep Aldino uncomfortable in the pocket. Yep. They're going to have to push him into making mistakes. If he breaks contain or if they get the upper hand running the ball, Macon could be in trouble. But I think that Macon – has the ability to keep pressure on them. I'm going to go with Macon County in this game at home. Uh, but, again, I think this is going to be a really tight game. Could come down to special teams play here or there. Yeah. The only thing that I have about this region is I'm not sure how good Livingston Academy is. Uh, I, don't really, I don't know if I can really take a lot from the Caps win over Livingston just because they've struggled so badly in region games this year. They only scored seven points against Cumberland County, who's been in last place for forever. Right. And I don't know how good Livingston is. I can't really judge DeKalb County off that game, I don't think, fairly. Mm. But they have won four in a row, and they're coming in with all sorts of momentum, and they know that they've got Cumberland County in the last week of the season. If DeKalb wins this game, they pretty much lock the region up that on Friday night. And Aldino is going to be the key because if Axel Aldino gets outside the pocket, he can cause a lot of trouble. But a guy like Landon Whittemore as a pass rusher is going to be my key matchup in this game. Can he get after the quarterback? Can he cause enough double teams to let other defenders get in there and do some things defensively to slow DeKalb County down? If they can do that and do it effectively, then Macon wins this game. If not, there's going to be a lot of pressure on that Macon County offense. And they had to really scramble in the second half two weeks ago against Stone Memorial. They were down at the half and came back and won that game 29-20. to I don't like their chances that they get down in this game. If they get behind, it's nights, it's lights out for them probably. So I'm going to take Macon County here. They burned me to, a couple of weeks ago in Stroudsville County. If they do it again, then I may have to punish them. But I'm, I'm, taking, <laughs> I'm taking Macon County for this one. Yeah, that's... This is going to be. I, I think that's going to be. A, I think the fans picked a good game. Well, you'll get to see it. Yes, I will. Up close I'll be and personal. There. And the game that I'll be at, 
the Battle of the Borough. My first time going to Murfreesboro for this game. Oakland and Riverdale should be a dandy. And, and, and talking to Kevin Creasy earlier, you know, he knows what he's up against with Riverdale. Their defense has been outstanding this year, but so has Oakland as both teams have allowed seven points per game on the field in region play. Something's got to give here, and quite frankly, I'm not sure if, if, if Riverdale can put up enough points to, to hang with Oakland's offense. Well, this is, uh, I believe, the 52nd meeting between the right. two schools. Yeah. Uh, Oakland has won eight straight. Uh, they won last year 31-14 in the game that I was at yeah. when it was at Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're in for a, you're in for a treat. Nothing, you know, regardless, these two teams are going to get after each other. Um, right now, my question is, how healthy is uh, Jameson Holcomb's finger? Yeah. You know, I, I, you know. If he doesn't go, they've got a sophomore, Cade Hewitt, who's going to get the start against the Patriots. He, he did well against Siegel two weeks ago, but, again, consider the competition. Uh, I think we'll see, you know, it, it's a, with a broken finger, I would think we would see Holcomb because it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, but, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a very accurate passer. Um, he's an over 70% passer. Uh, but he does give up sacks from time to time. Uh, from what I understand, he's got a negative rushing yardage. So Hewitt is much more mobile. Um, they got uh, good backs in Marcus Lloyd and B.J. Connor. This gun, they absolutely, absolutely critical that those guys are able to run if they're going to have any chance against Oakland. Because um, they're going to have to be able to give their defense a rest. Because Oakland will just – they'll crank up the pressure running the ball. I mean, they've got that tremendous stable running uh, running backs. I mean, but, you know, these two backs aren't any slouches at, at all. Connard has 608 yards rushing and eight TDs. I'm mean, sorry. Lloyd has 608 yards uh, rushing and eight TDs. Connard, 589 and seven. But I think the matchup on Riverdale's side is going to be inter- going to be linebacker Al- uh, Alexander Mitchell and – Defensive end, Javon Nelson. Now, Nelson has 40 tackles and 11 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, the, he, and he draws a lot of attention because he's, he's drawing a lot of attention from several schools. Uh, outside linebacker also, this is a 6'4", 2'10", sophomore in Caleb Herring. 36 tackles, 11 tackles for loss at the linebacker position. So they've got a good defense. And... My question is, uh, can they stop the running game enough to make the Patriots throw the ball? Um, they Oakland can throw the ball. They just really haven't had to. Um, you know, what's impressive is in the passing game, they, they've been careful with the ball. The no picks. Yeah. Seven TDs. Is, you know, but, again, when you have Antonio Patterson, Jordan James, and Victor Stevenson III in your backfield, why are you throwing the ball? There's no need to. No. Uh, and then they have two other backs in that backfield who are a couple of yards away from 100 yards on the season as well. Right. I mean, it's just a it's a, just a wealth of of talent back there. And then you do have a good wide receiver in, in, in uh, Isaiah Horton, I believe is an Innsworth transfer. Um, he has 12 catches, three TDs on a team that doesn't throw the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have good linebackers themselves. Kobe Manning uh, leads the team in tackles, but I'll, and then you have Theron Gaines who has forty-five tackles, two sacks, and ten tackles for loss. Two sacks and ten tackles for loss. So these teams are very, very loaded. Uh, I think Riverdale has a team in the defense to push the Patriots to the brink. This would be the Patriots' toughest. I think. I think this would be their toughest game. Uh, Brentwood notwithstanding. Um, but you really have to be consistency out of the quarterback position to keep the Oakland linebackers off the line for the running game. And I think that may be an issue with the Warriors. And, it, and I do believe the edge in special teams also with Oakland. They excel at special teams. So I think that the Patriots are – I think the Patriots are going to win this game here. Uh, I think – you know, again, you're the king until somebody knocks you off. Yeah. I agree with that sentiment, too. And, you know, Riverdale's challenge is going to be, you know, 
can they shorten this game enough to where mm. they don't get boat raced? And I don't think they will. I don't think I think this will be a close game because I think their defense is good enough to keep them in the ball game. But, but you know, if they can't get out of the teens, then I don't know if it'll matter because they're going to have to score two, three, maybe four times to to win this ball game. And, and I'm not sure against Oakland that. There's very few teams. There's one team that's been able to do it, and that's Stewart's Creek, and that's been it. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. If this game is if if Oakland's defense holds Riverdale to under 20 points, it's done. Yep. Over that, and Riverdale has a shot. I I, I agree with you there. Yeah, they're going to have to get this thing high scoring if they want to if they want to win it. And I, I think Oakland wants to keep this as a lower scoring game, just because they they can control it mm. in both in both phases if they do. I'm excited about this game. I'm glad I get to go to Riverdale for the first time, and I think I'm going to see an Oakland win there, and I think it'll be a low-scoring game too. I think that you're in. Regardless, you're going to be in for a, a, a good game. These these teams, like I said, they really do get after it. We're looking forward to these games, and I know you're looking forward to ones you might be going to this week as well. But that's all the time we've got for the 615 Preps podcast for this week. For Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. Thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you a week from now. Don't forget to subscribe on uh, wherever, wherever you get wherever your podcast. You, and, and to this podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, like and subscribe. Yep. Make sure you're everywhere. Do yeah. it all. <laughs> Do it all. Do it all. Be take, the five-tool player. Take care, guys. The 615 Preps Podcast is a production of B-Squared Media, LLC. Our theme music is A Closet Full of Bones by Mama Tried and is used with their permission. You can download their music on the 615preps.com website or on SoundCloud. Your hosts for the 615 Preps podcast are Chris Brooks and Scott Burton. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CBrooksTN and Scott at SBurton615.